going to pray. Father, as we turn to your word again, we ask that you would guide us and lead us, help us to hear your voice and to sense your presence. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you know, we've been uh, uh, looking through the Gospel of Mark over these last few weeks, and we've been thinking particularly about some of the things that Jesus says, and particularly some of the perhaps stranger, more startling things that, that Jesus says. And this morning, we're going to have a, a little bit of a think about these words. Um, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What does Jesus mean? when he says these words and what difference might they make to us. Can I first say, I think there's a, a couple of things that, that Jesus is not saying at this point. Um, firstly, I, I don't think Jesus is saying that we should become uh, sort of childish in our faith, that we should perhaps sort of stop trying to understand it or sort of ask questions or think it through or um, somehow sort of just accept things blandly and blithely. I don't think that's what Jesus means. There's, there's lots of examples through scripture of, uh, of God's deep and profound wisdom and the way in which he shares that with us. You think about the, um, the story of the, the resurrection of appearance of Jesus on the road to Emmaus, when uh, two disciples are walking away from Jerusalem and Jesus draws to them and he, he talks to them, doesn't he, about the scriptures. And he opens their minds so that they can understand the pattern of, of the Messiah crucified and then risen again. So I don't think Jesus is saying that we somehow need to, to leave our adult minds at the door. Um, I don't think that's what he means. Secondly, I don't think Jesus means that, that children are somehow um, pure and sinless. And we should try to be pure and sinless. Anyone who's spent any time around children, particularly small children, knows that they are not pure and sinless. You come to um, a seedling session when we're back in the church and operating and you um, sort of see how the children behave when the, um, the sort of ride-on toys are, uh, are brought out and the, uh, and the sort of hand-to-hand -hand combat that would break out um, if it was allowed to in order to get to the favourite one. Or um, you have a group of, of ten uh, six-year-olds and you put a box of nine toys in front of them and you will soon see uh, what children are like. So, so Jesus is not saying that somehow we are to become childish in our thinking and he's not saying that somehow we need to adopt some kind of, of mythical sinlessness or, or purity. So what does Jesus mean when he says anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Of course, we we remember that when we, we come to Scripture and we read some verses from it, it's, it's good to remember what comes immediately before and after. What, what is the, the context, the setting of this Scripture? And um, uh, forgive me for, for, for going on about some of my favourite things, but these verses come from a, a, a section in Mark's Gospel, a middle section in Mark's Gospel, which is which is sandwiched uh, between the healing of two blind men. And uh, I won't go into too much detail about this now because I can become very boring very quickly. But basically, there are 
two healings of blind men in Jesus in the in Mark's gospel and between the two you get lots of material about what it means to follow Jesus you get three uh, three times Jesus predicts that he's going to be handed over uh, and three times the disciples misunderstand this and the misunderstanding particularly from the disciples begins to center around questions of power and control and status in chapter 9 a little bit before this passage we we get this little conversation between Jesus and the disciples this is chapter 9 verse 33 they came to Capernaum when he was in that house he asked them what were you arguing about on the road but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest they know that Jesus is going to Jerusalem they know that he's the Messiah they know there's going to be a showdown and what they are trying to do these 12 disciples is jostle for position they want status power control they want to be able to define who is in and who is out they want to be able to to sort of have the best positions as it were the cabinet positions in Jesus new government they want these positions and they're not afraid even to steal a march on one another and in chapter 10 you get that that rather infamous example of where James and John come uh, to Jesus and say when you come into your kingdom can we have the seats on the right and the left they are trying to exert control power and to get status and you can see that in this little example here the children are coming or or, or perhaps their parents are, are bringing them to Jesus and the disciples attempt to display this control and this power no they're not important enough he's got more important things to do okay keep them away he hasn't got time for this they're like gatekeepers they are trying to say who can come in and who can't and Jesus won't have it and this indignant word is a very strong word Jesus is is really angry with them he's cross with them and he says don't do that let them come to me don't stop them don't hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these these are powerless people these are people without status without control they cannot effect very much they just can come to me and be blessed they are without status power or control they can't make things happen they simply receive the touch of God as a gift they can't earn or deserve or merit it they receive it as a gift and because they understand this the kingdom of God belongs to such as these it's not about merit it's not about earning or deserving it's not about jostling for position it's about receiving it as a gift just as a child does not wonder whether they are going to have to pay for their next meal whether the clothes that they have for their shoes I know that poverty does stalk many families even in our own city but as a principle a child does not think that they have to pay for their next meal or for their provisions they just receive them because of the love of their parents 
what Jesus is pointing to is said, look, these children get it. They get that the kingdom is a gift. They can't earn it. They don't deserve it. It doesn't work like that. It is a gift. And because they understand this, because they get it, they then become a model. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like this, like a little child, will never enter it. You've got to become like them. Get rid of these ideas about status, power, control, hierarchies. Just receive it because God loves you. What we call grace, the free unmerited, undeserved, unbuyable love of God poured out for us in the kingdom of God. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well yes of course we know that. We know that God loves us and that we don't deserve it and he loves us anyway and that we all come into the kingdom. We know that. Actually I think these words of Jesus are really really explosive. You see most adults find, if they stop and think about it, this concept of just receiving it because it's a gift as quite shocking and even offensive. We're used to, aren't we, working in a, in a sort of social system where some things give us status, give us position, whether it's learning or qualifications or experience, our gifts, talents, abilities, what we, what we would sum up on our CV. These are all meant to give us a certain standing, aren't they? And in the adult world, we really, really quickly form ourselves up into pyramids. If you think about almost any human adult institution, it is usually in the shape of a pyramid, whether it's a school, or a hospital, or a commercial company, or one of the military services, government, local and national, and yes, even churches. Do you know, as I was, I was thinking about, about our, our subject today, I was thinking, how many ranks are there in the Church of England? And I, and I, I thought to myself, there's at least nine that I can think of. You've got the humble curates at the bottom, and then you've got a vicar, the next step up. If you become an important vicar, you can be called a team rector. Above that, you've got an area dean. Above that, you've got an archdeacon. Around about that status, you've got a cathedral dean. Then you've got an assistant bishop, a diocesan bishop, and an archbishop. That's a pyramid. That is a classic, classic pyramid. And what Jesus says when he says this, is he blows the pyramid apart. It is outrageous. Unless you receive it as a gift, you will never enter it. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It is a gift. And if it is a gift to me and a gift to you, then we are equal. We are brothers and sisters together, having received this amazing gift. And I can come into it and say, isn't this incredible? I've been invited in. And you can receive it and you say, isn't this incredible? 
I've been invited in. And suddenly there is this remarkable leveling out that goes on. It doesn't matter qualifications, experiences, jobs, roles, houses. It doesn't matter. We are the same together. And you know, the early church stumbled on this. And so when Paul says in, in his letter to the Galatians, he says, in Christ, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, but we are all children of God in Christ. That was explosive in a, in a, in a world of the Roman Empire when, when those things, whether you were a Jew or a Greek, slave or free, male or female, really, really mattered. They decided where you were in society. Jesus, Paul is saying that Jesus just blows that out of the water. And suddenly there is a new community where we are all equal. Not the same. Who wants to be in a community where we're all the same? I don't mean that. But we are all equal. I think in a funny sort of way, the experience of Zoom church even though it is incredibly inadequate, has given us a glimpse into that, hasn't it? Whether it's music or poetry or testimony or wisdom, things that people have shared, those have been the real blessings. And yes, our sermons are good and, and, and praise God for those who, who look at the word and wrestle with it and, and seek to share its wisdom. But actually, I suspect that this time tomorrow, You'll remember what Babita said, or you'll remember what Gwen said, or you'll remember Derge and Clement's songs, or you'll remember Katrina's poem. You probably won't remember very much of what I've said, and that's perfectly okay, because together, together, we are the children of God, equal. The ground in front of the cross is level, because we have all received it as a gift. So when Jesus says, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it, he's asking us to put aside all our ideas about power, control, status, hierarchies, and just to accept the fact that we have come into this new relationship with God, which makes us brothers and sisters equal pilgrims in the way of the cross. It is wonderful and it is revolutionary. May God grant that even in the post-Zoom world, our, our church lives like that. Amen. <laughs>